Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Welcome, everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, we are going to talk about floor trusses. Now, floor trusses are typical construction in the multifamily space, but not so much in single family. And that is a shame. However, it means there is significant market growth opportunity ripe for the taking. Today, we're going to talk with Pat Schweeters and Corey Hemme at JL Schweeters in Hugo, Minnesota. They're going to share with us how their company has been successful selling floor trusses to single-family builders. Pat and Corey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good morning, Sean. It's good to be back. Hey, good morning, Sean. Appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. Yeah, Pat, it's good to have you back on the podcast. Welcome. Can we start by having you briefly remind our listeners your business model and your primary customer mix? Um, we started, Sean, back as a, a framing contractor back in 1980, and since then have evolved into, um, we're a full-service lumber yard. Um, we have a wall panel a component manufacturing division, and then we most recently got into the trust division about four years ago. Uh, so we provide a full turnkey wood framing package uh, to our customers, and we hit the segments of you know the single-family residential all the way up to multifamily um, you know, townhomes, apartments, that type of uh, wood frame construction. So is it fair to say, Pat, you will leave no structure turned away? Absolutely. We're not partial to anything. We're going to take the smaller commercial, anything that's wood frame, Sean. And if we can componentize it, we're going to we're going to take a look at it. Well, cool. OK, so, Pat, the other question I have, too, just to clarify the different framing products that you guys offer. Not only do you do roof trusses, but you do pretty much everything else, right? We do. We, uh, we're, we're a lumber supplier. We do a lot of floor trusses up in the Midwest, predominantly in Minnesota. Um, it's very common in our area just due to climate changes, mechanical systems, and things. Then, as you said, we uh, most of our, our products are all a roof truss system. You do wall panels too as well, right? We do. We actually started with wall panels um, back in the early 2000s. That was, the, that was probably the second item of components that we got into. We started with stairway components and pre-componentizing and building them in the shop and shipping them out to the site. And the next thing that we got into were wall panels in the early 2000s. Excellent. Okay. So you mentioned this, but it's, it's probably not a surprise to anyone that in your multifamily projects, you use a lot of those floor trusses. But you told me uh, when we were sort of preparing for this podcast that 95% of your single family projects also use floor trusses, which to me just is, I find incredible. What do you attribute that high market share to? Yeah, I can touch on that a little bit there, Sean. Sure. Up in this market here, we have a lot of multi-zone heating systems in our residential, um, along with our multi-families as well. Um, but being able to zone that, being able to get large mechanical runs up into the floor systems, um, again, get them up into the floor so they're not hanging down, sopping below the floor systems, uh, lowering ceiling heights, that type of thing. Another thing with floor trusses we're able to succeed with in the residential market is a lot longer spans. People like that big open room, great room feel. And along with the basements, we have a lot of a rambler type residential market up here um, that we're able to supply that long, clear span, open, great room areas in their board. Right. So that's interesting that you, you talk about that. So for all of the component manufacturers in the cold climates, that best basement, first level, 
floor truss makes a lot of sense for people who want to finish off the floors and whatnot. But what you're also saying is like, even on those second floors, you're using a lot of floor trusses as well so that you can run those mechanicals into the second floor for the MEP installation, That's right? correct. Yes. Um, they need to zone that so, if, so that heat is, you know, basically transferred throughout that house, you know, evenly so it's not cold upstairs and warm downstairs, et cetera. So, you know, we're able to get that larger ductwork so the mechanical runs are able to be successfully up in the floors. And I know we're recording this in the winter, so we're very much focused on that heating. But uh, it, to be fair, even in Minnesota, you get plenty of heat and muggy weather during the summer. So, I mean, it's got to be air conditioning or it's it's heating, either or, right? Yep, correct. So then they basically reverse that system. So you're pushing that air in the other direction. So all the whole house is evenly cooled or heated as well. So how did that conversation go with the builders? I mean, I, I'm assuming that that hasn't been that case since like the 80s, the you know, that, that incorporation of floor truss systems into single family was a process. Uh, can you enlighten me as far as like, you know, did you, did all of your discussions happen with the builders or were some of them with the MEP installers to sort of get them on board? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, I've been in the industry for about 25 years now. So I've seen a big transition from engineered wood floor systems uh, to floor trusses. Um, and I can say we've really had that conversation in multiple different directions um, with the builders individually, um, but we've also cycled in that um, mechanical contractors as well, plumbing contractors, that type of thing. Um, pretty much work together as a group to get as most efficient system as we can. And I think that's why we got to this 95 percentile. So. Uh, so the assumption there is that all the MEP guys love these floor trusses, is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Always positive feedback and being able to work with them on site. You know, every house isn't the same. Um, every project isn't the same. So we can actually work with our builders and we'll design that system for their individual installation process. So, Hey, Sean, one thing that I would like to add to that, that we have run into, and I can remember a specific instance, probably, you know, close to 10 years ago, as more zoning became popular in the Minnesota, you know, where you have a two-story house with a basement, so you have three levels, and zoning became more popular, um, we sat in, in a meeting with one of our customers and their design team and the MEP because the MEP contractor was concerned about getting heat up to the upper level bedroom on the opposite side of the house. And we were able to help design the house to have the least amount of turns so they had the least amount of heat loss um, and they don't have a cold spot in a room. And I, I remember that as being probably close to 10 years ago. And those type of discussions have just have just led to, you know, better designs. And by floor trusses, I think we're allowed to be a part of that. I mean, Pat, what you're saying there is that floor trusses are actually part of the problem solving. It's like it's another tool that you can bring to the table to say like, hey, if this is going to be an issue, here's an easy way to solve that, right? Absolutely. I mean, Corey would attest to this, but, you know, we can make some mechanical runs and they may need a bigger one to coming off of the down in the basement, they may need a bigger mechanical run coming off of the furnace, and it may not have to be as big because it's getting slimmed down by the time it gets up to that that upper bedroom. Uh, but by us being able to design that, we can be a part of the solution. Uh, so, you know, even your national builders that you work with uh, are slowly converting to floor trusses. Um, do you think they're converting for the same reasons that you've already stated, really just about MEP runs and that, and that kind of thing? Or is there more to it than that? Yeah, we've had a big transition over the last couple of years. We've all seen the supply chain struggles that we've dealt with. We've had multiple different builders reach out to us during these times um, with that supply chain struggle. Having the manufacturer under our, our belt here that we're able to 
adjust the schedule. We don't have project delays because we're able to manufacture trusses as needed. And we're just not waiting for product to arrive to our location to be able to ship to our customers. So that was a big part of what we've seen over the last couple of years. And during that transition, the people that have made the transition to floor trusses, we haven't seen anybody go back. We know the supply chain has opened up a little bit here now. But once you get into floor trusses, we don't ever see our builders transition back. Would you assume, Corey, that while that may have started because of, as you said, supply chain constraints, um, the fact that they realized through that process all the other benefits, many of which you just talked about, um, that's why they're not going back even though supply has sort of righted itself on the iJoy side of things? Yeah, I think once people experience the floor truss versus the engineered wood product, they see the benefits. All the subs will you know, give positive feedback to the builder and think that's a big part of not transitioning. I would challenge the cost. Is it really more expensive? I mean, there are a, a ton of other things that go into an EWP system in terms of additional pieces with rim boards, with blocking, you know, longer spans. We're able to achieve longer spans with a floor truss system. If they are looking at a main floor and a longer span, does that require an additional footing in a bearing wall down in the basement that may not be needed with a floor truss system? Mechanical systems, we, we see it as we talked about the zoning of the mechanical systems. It's very common for us to have an eight foot ceiling here in the in the Twin Cities area. And I have had to see or I have seen customers that have had to go up to a nine foot foundation only to drop the ceiling because of the elaborate mechanical system. Um, so they've essentially paid for a nine foot foundation. And in the end of the day, they're only getting an eight foot basement. There's additional costs that go into that. I would definitely challenge it, whether or not it is more expensive. Hmm. And so in challenging that, you have those conversations with the builders, right? You're like, okay, so you know, here's the cost, that floor trust system, but think about all of these things. You know, These are all the trade-offs that you would have to make if you didn't do the floor trust system. That resonates with them. They listen to that and they're like, oh yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times it comes in, in, in conversations, you know, we hear about the challenges that they, that they run. It may not work on every single house, but if you bring it up and you talk about it, if they've got a house that they're not doing zoning, they may not have to go to a nine foot foundation, right? So it may not be applicable, but, but listening and communicating and, and pre presenting to them different options that we can provide. Sometimes you find a solution to a problem you didn't even know you had. Right. I mean, and that, that raises a really important point of, of all of this, right? Of like, Having those conversations with the builders or whoever your customer is, because I know you're selling more components to framers, for example, these days. A lot of the people listening, they may sell to lumber yards, they may sell to framers, they may sell, sell to builders. But no matter who that customer is, it's about having that conversation, figuring out what their pain points are, and then realizing that you potentially have a solution to that problem. Because as you pointed out, it's like, you know, when there's a supply chain constraint on iJoyce, no, no problem. We can just start whipping out floor trusses, you know, and it, who knows what, what the other issue might be, right? Yeah, we can be, we can be, we can react quicker. Even if it's a, an issue in the field and something, a beam's got to be moved or anything like that, we can, we can react quicker with trusses and quickly design it as it's all in-house and have our guys do it versus, you know, having to go check the specs of the EWP, the charts, the spanning and all of that. Um, we're able to react quicker. And at the end of the day, it, it's a problem solver for the customer. Yeah, and I can speak to that reaction as well as scheduling reaction. National builders, every builder has changes in the field. We're able to jump to a different project, you know, with having the production under our own belt again. The customer has a scheduling change. Now, again, we're not waiting for product line. We can get our designers going on the next job. Might be the one next door, might be the one next down the road. 
but we can get our designers going manufacturing and we can hit deadlines as far as keep that builder going without any delays. So it not only makes the the builder more efficient from their construction schedule, but also makes you guys more efficient, right? Because you're yeah. not sitting there waiting. Yeah, we're controlling everything, Sean. You know, we're not we're not waiting on a we're we're able to synchronize the project, you know, in terms of doing it um, with our wall panels, the trusses or the floor trusses and the roof trusses, making sure it's all in chronological order that keeps the field flowing in a proper direction. Excellent. I want to get into that more in our next episode. Absolutely. Uh, Corey and Pat, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having us, Sean. It was a lot of fun. Yep. Appreciate it, John. Thanks. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SPCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. On our next episode, Pat, Corey, and I are going to talk more about how JL Schweders benefits from incorporating floor trusses into single-family projects. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com. Mm-hmm.